Good morning. I'm Joel, one of the pastors here. Let's just jump into some scripture, knowing that we are, we are glad you're here. Um, and uh, if you're new here, we want to get to know you. We really do. We want to be in relationship with you. Um, but I want to make sure today we jump into scripture really fast, really hard. Uh, Pastor Jim was able to preach last week um, because I had to go to Florida. Um, and... Pastors work too. Um, so, and I'll go into it. I've got cough chops, got everything, because already, like, it's voice is going. And I know, like, my kids are like, oh, that's awesome. No, I need to preach. Um, but we do want you, want you to know that we are so glad to have you here, whether you're in a venue or online or anything else. Um, but we want to make sure that we all know, guys, guess what? We are in a war. And you may be new here and you're going, oh, what's he talking about? He's carrying a sword. Like, what's going on? I'm carrying this sword. This is a great sword. Uh, there's so many people who are new over the last couple of years. I will tell you, the, the elders actually gave me this sword um, after my first year here. Um, and uh, it, was like, it was like a long time ago. He says, I'm doing a great work and cannot come down, Nehemiah 6.3. Um, because the elders, and then they've got their names on the other side of it. The elders often remind me. Um, that we've been called to a great work, I tell them, and they're like, Joel, we're not behind you, we're beside you. And we know that we're in a war. It tells us that, that, that Satan is like a, a roaring lion, right, roaming around waiting to what? Devour its prey. Like we're, We are in a war, and right now we're walking through the book of Exodus, and we're looking at the plagues. There are ten plagues. We're looking at these plagues, and it's really all about, when we look at the plagues in Exodus, there were battles of war against gods, against false gods. There's only one true God, yes? And yet we talk about it as being the war, the gods, lowercase g there, because he was fighting these other gods. But guess what? Every single time, our God won. But there is a battle that's taking place. We see it in our war, and it may, in our world, it may not be a physical battle at times, and for some it is. But there is a spiritual battle that's happening. And what we need to recognize is that, that throughout history, and that's one of the things that the book of Exodus teaches us, that throughout history we see over and over again on how God defeated the false gods, how God won, how God came to redeem us. And that's what the book of Exodus is all about, is that we have been redeemed in order to be ruled. There's a war at that because the world would tell you that, no, you are here to live for self. And what I will tell you is opposite of the world. You are here to live for Jesus Christ. The world may tell you, no, 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 you just chase your dreams. You be you. No, you be who God desires for you to be. And so I know that our, our message is often opposite of the world, but God says that that's going to be the case. We are in a war, but guess what? We get to fight that battle knowing that in the end, after everything is done, guess what? We already know who wins. Amen. And so we want to better speak about that today as we're diving through these these plagues, and the reason I say we're going we're gonna to go really fast, really furious, because last week, um, fortunately, I think Pastor Jim unpacked a lot for us. He hit the first four plagues. I'm hitting the next five. 
Um, and so we're going to go pretty fast, but there are some themes here that I want to make sure that we follow. In fact, one of the things, can I invite you, um, this is for you. This is going to let me unpack all the plagues today as quickly as I'm going to. Um, this is another resource that we wanted to be able to give to you. Um, this is all about the plagues, even the possible Egyptian gods or goddesses that they were defying. Um, because that's what's happening on every single plague. God is defeating a false god of Egypt every time. And you're going to see them become simply useless. You also had the passages here. I would encourage you to take this and start reading it through with some friends maybe. Say, hey, let's hit the first one again just to be reminded of all that's happening here. And it's got the text for you. We want to make it as uh, usable for you as possible. We want you to not only go, oh, that's the Old Testament written thousands of years ago. We want you to recognize that this is the word of God. It is alive and well today and that you can understand it. And so that's why we're giving this resource to you. Make sure you take it and utilize it. Um, the plagues, ten plagues, they were an attack on the gods of Egypt. But they also show the power of God to redeem his people. Uh, it was mentioned to you last week from Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. Might be a great passage for you to make sure that you go back and read over and over. I want to read it to you uh, right now. Exodus 12, 12. It says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. And so it was a battle of the gods. It was a war of the gods that we see unfolding. One of the things that we also see is that with this war of the gods... We see this victorious power of the living God to redeem his people from bondage, from captivity. Right? We're going to be able to understand more clearly what it is to be able to, to step in and to know that the plagues show the power of the true God to redeem his people. Now, let me go ahead and tell you, we all need to be redeemed. Say, I need to be redeemed. We got to know this. The world says, no, you're perfect the way you are. No, you're not. For we also know from Scripture, from Romans, we've all sinned and what? Fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. So we understand this. And so as a result, we're like, hey, listen, we know that we've been redeemed. And that's what we're going to see even here, that God, the one true God, is redeeming the people of Israel from captivity, from slavery. And yet we know that he has now already done that for us through his son dying, Jesus. So we just celebrated Easter. So we want to dive into this, Exodus chapter 9. Exodus chapter 9, go ahead and go there with us. If you would, Exodus chapter 9, if you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. It's yours, a gift to you. If you have a friend who doesn't have a Bible, take them a Bible from us. Say, here, this is from chapter point. If you, don't have, if you have a friend who has a friend who has a friend and who has an aunt who doesn't have a Bible, take it to them. We want the Word of God to be everywhere, absolutely everywhere. We give away a lot of Bibles, and we want to give away even more to people who want to dive into it and discover the truth of who God is. Exodus chapter 9. Fifth plague. So if you didn't get the first four, if maybe this is your first week, you might want to go back, listen to last week. Um, it says, the Lord said to Moses, 
Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. He said, okay, remember, Thus says the Lord, the God of Hebrews, He says, Let my people what? Say, let my people go. Will you say that? Let my people go. Let my people go. You're going to hear it over and over. It's one of the things that you're going to hear. Let my people go. And then in verse 2 of Exodus chapter 9, it says, For if you refuse to let them go, for if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field. Now, I am going to cover more heavily this first one to make some uh, uh, make a point about all the other plagues. Uh, and there's certain things that we need to already understand. Um, right here, Exodus chapter 9, verse 2, what you have in this very first thing is it says, if you refuse, for if you refuse. Over and over, you have Pharaoh, who's the leader of the land, right, of Egypt, and he's over everything. What he says goes without a doubt. And he continually refused to surrender control to God. You see that language over and over. But if you refuse, but if you refuse, but if you refuse, but if you refuse, over and over, on, on not all the plagues, but on the majority of the plagues, you're going to see that language. But if you refuse, hey, God wants you to do this, but if you don't, if you choose not to, guess what? There's going to be a severe plague. Now, this is interesting for us. Because here's God, through Moses, through his brother Aaron, speaking to Pharaoh, saying, hey, this is what I want you to do. But if you don't, there's going to be a severe plague, a severe consequence. One of the reasons we struggle so much in understanding that we are in a battle is because we um, don't understand that if we refuse the Lord, there's consequence. But that's a, a big question for us even is... Um, what are you refusing to allow God to have control over in your own life? It says, if you refuse, if you don't do this, if you don't do this, if you refuse, then you're going to have a problem. And, and that's why the world is often opposed to what Christ has done, is because we'd rather assume that we haven't done anything wrong and that we get to live for self. And because we get to live for self, you don't have to worry about anything that God has told you to do. And so we're always, actually, if we really process it, if you're living for you, at some point you're probably refusing something that God's already instructed you with. He's given us the entire word of God to be obedient to it, to live by it. It gives, it gives life. It is hope. It is hope that is an anchor for the soul. But yet we keep refusing to give parts of our life to God. We're holding those back. Well, no, I'm going to church. Yes, I'm looking at porn, but I'm going to church. Or, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to church, but yeah, I know I have major anger issues, and I'm not dealing with them appropriately. Or, oh, yeah, but I'm going to church, but you know what? I'm refusing to give God really control over my finances. I'm going to give him a little bit, but not as much as he wants. I'm not going to, I'm going to give. I'm not going to sacrifice. Hello. Right? That's what we do. Well, guess what that is, friends? That's refusing to surrender. That's refusing to give up something to God that he has asked for. So this is a theme with the first four plagues that was last week, but also with these upcoming plagues that we're going to see over and over. We see Pharaoh refusing to allow God to have control because Pharaoh wanted control. 
And so we come in to this fifth plague, and this fifth plague is all about the battle of the pestilence or also where the livestock die. That's what this plague is. So the pestilence is, what they're saying is it's a disease that kills livestock. And this is the first plague that includes death. That's important for us to understand. First plague that includes death. It's going to get worse, by the way. It always gets worse when you refuse God, hey, right? And then you still do what you want to do, and then it gets a little worse. Okay, right? It's going to get worse. So it's the first plague that includes death. God gives a day's warning, allowing time for repentance. But again, it's not going to be heated. But I want to show you a picture about with the livestock for you to better um, resonate with what they would have drawn because of these deities, these gods that they had. You can see um, the livestock here. And you can see another picture of one here. I know there's a shadow there. But it's showing you this livestock and the deities that they were, even in the way that they were sometimes drawn. And they worshipped them. Now, you need to know that livestock of the day, that was where they got milk from, where they got food from. That, that, was, that meant a lot to them. It was, what they, it was their mode of transportation for some. Um, it was a little bit of everything. And the ancient Egyptians, they, they viewed the bull as fertility. That was a fertility god of sorts for them. And we understand that. But these resources, the necessities that they provided the, for the people were significant with food and milk and clothing and transportation. And all of a sudden, what you're going to find is they're going to be destroyed. This is major. Exodus chapter 9. The Lord, verse 4, will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. What you're going to find in Exodus chapter uh, 9, verse 6 and 7, is that what happens is the livestock of Egypt was all killed. The livestock of Israel was protected. That's what we see in these verses. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, verse 6, but not one of the livestock of the people of Israel died. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, not one of the livestock of Israel was dead. But the heart of Pharaoh was what? The heart of Pharaoh was what? Hardened. Hardened. I mentioned this early on. Um, We see it in Exodus chapter 4 for the very first time. But we see it in in the matter of 10 chapters, remember this, I've said this once before, in 10 chapters from Exodus 4 to Exodus 14, uh, we see 20 different times that the Pharaoh's heart has been hardened. 20 times. His heart was hardened. Over and over again, he refused, right? And so we see his heart being hardened over and over again. And what he does is when his heart is being hardened, it means that he also had a heavy heart and that he was resistant to repentance. What causes us, big question, what causes us to push against repentance? Submission, surrendering to God. What causes us to push against that? Right, what, what causes us to stand firm even if we think, even if we kind of process, maybe I'm not right. right and it, maybe, maybe one of you have done that before. You've said something later on, you find out it wasn't right, but you still kind of held, held firm. We're like, well, yeah, but it could have been true. Instead of just saying I was wrong. Anybody ever married, anybody married to somebody like that? I dare you to raise your hand. We do have a marriage and counseling pastor on staff. Andy Woodall, awesome man. Um, right, this... We, we have things in our life that causes us to push against resist, uh, repentance. 
Arrogance, that'd be one, yes. Pride, similar. That'd be, that'd be something else. Bitterness. Right? We, we know, friends, faith leads to repentance. We already understand this. We know that we have been redeemed by faith in Jesus Christ in order to be ruled by him. But the other thing that we have to know is one of the greatest, I'm going to tell you now, here's one of the greatest reasons we, we can push against re- repentance. Please, just get ready to write it down. We know this. Like, just enter, if you're new here, this is what people who've been going here for a while do to entertain me. Even if they don't have a pen, they act like they're writing something. Entertain me. Write this down. Get ready. One of the greatest reasons that you and the, one of the greatest reasons that I push against repentance we don't understand the gravity of sin. Sin in itself leads to what? Death. I told him in the first service, I might as well say it again. I, I think sometimes we sin and we push against repentance, right? We sin and what we do is we go, whoopsie daisy. We think sin is a whoopsie daisy. As soon as I said that in the first service, I was like, I lost my man card. So then I picked up my sword. I can say whatever I want. We think that sin is a whoopsie daisy. Right? When I was growing up, kids out there, when I was growing up, that was a word like if, you, like if, a, if a, a second grade girl would slip and fall, they'd be like, whoopsie daisy, right? I don't know. I just made that up. <laughs> it sounds right though, doesn't it? We, we think sin is a whoopsie daisy. Oh, okay, but it's really no big deal. I'll just get up, do this, and I'm good. Let's go. And we think that's what sin is. Sin leads to death. Sin was bought and paid for by Jesus Christ, annihilating death. And we only have that through faith. Sin is not a whoopsie daisy. Sin is something that separates us from God. And so we need to understand that one of the reasons that we push against repentance is because we don't think enough of what sin actually is. But Jesus defeats that very thing. That's what we got to understand. Your sin, it doesn't matter if it's coming out in anger. It doesn't matter if it means that you're with the pornography I mentioned. It doesn't matter if you're treating people unfairly at work. It doesn't matter if you're actually cheating on your tests at school. It doesn't matter what it is. Sin separates us from God. Sin is not a whoopsie-daisy. And one of the things, that's part of the battle. That's part of the way that Satan fights is he lets us think that our sin's no big deal. You just go, you be you. Can we all agree to stop saying that? Quit telling people, hey, you just, you do you. No, how about you do Jesus? Can we all agree to that for a moment? Raise your hand, please, somebody. Because you ain't enough. Sin is more than a whoopsie-daisy. So one of the reasons that Pharaoh constantly struggled in his repentance, that constantly he said, you know, he would hear God would speak through Moses, hey, let my people, let my people. So he'd call this out, okay, okay, here you go. And then all of a sudden he comes back on it, changes his mind. 
We certainly see that in the plague with the livestock dying. We see it again with the boils. Exodus chapter 9, this is the sixth plague, 8 through 12. The Lord said, said to Moses and Aaron, take the soot from the kiln. Let Moses, and what he, he's going to let him do this. This is exactly ends up what, what he, he, he does. He takes the soot from the kiln and he throws it up in the air. It goes out, covers everybody, and it gives them boils. Now, here's what's amazing about this. It says, Moses threw it up in the air, verse 10 and 11, and it became boils breaking out in sores on man and beast. I mean, it was everywhere. Right? And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of their boils. For the boils came up upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. And even the most powerful people around Pharaoh, they're like, okay, we, we're done. Okay, you win. They're just too small. Verse 12, but the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh and he did not listen. Even this is against this, uh, would have been a lion-headed deity, Shechemet. And that, that goddess of the Egyptians would have been responsible for all the epidemics and the, had the power to heal and yet could do nothing against the one true God. Seventh plague. Hell, this is what it says. 9, 13 through 15, this is a longer section. The Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and present yourselves before Pharaoh. Here's what's going to happen. He says, let my people go that they may serve me. He calls it out. And he says, if not, skip down to verse 18, by this time tomorrow I will cause very heavy hell to fall, such as never has been in Egypt from the day it has been founded until now. It's going to be bad. I grew up in the South, we'd get, we would get hell, and sometimes like literally a like golf ball size. Like all the cars are destroyed, windows are broken, and this is it's going to be the worst that you've ever seen as a nation. <clears throat> now therefore send, go and get, get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter for every man and beast that is in the field and is not brought home, will die when the, fell, when the hell falls on them. That's powerful. More death. Now, what we already end up happening is some of the, what we start seeing is some of the Egyptians are like, okay, Pharaoh don't, he, he, don't, he don't know what he's talking about right now. And so some of them start listening to what Moses is saying. So some of them actually go and get their livestock, but all those who didn't actually listen to Moses, guess what happened to all of their livestock and to the people? Right? They started to die. It says, verse 20 and 21, this is Exodus chapter 9, 20 and 21. Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and his livestock into the houses. Those who knew the power of God said, oh, we're going to do what God said. <laughs> Let's go. Verse 21. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord. Some of us are not paying attention to the word of the Lord. We're, we're picking sections, but we're not listening to all of it. But here it tells us, whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. And then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand. It all came. The hell struck down, verse 25, everything that was in the field and all over the land, both man and beast, 
every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. It's like, wow, here it came. So here what we have, this is the seventh seventh plague, and all of a sudden it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And we already know, listen, if the Egyptian gods had the authority to be able to do anything, you would think that they would be doing anything, but they didn't have any authority. So they couldn't do anything. They didn't have the ability. And then it tells us something that's really, really, honestly... um, when, if you read it, if you've read this for the very first time, you, I'm going to read some verses to you that go, oh, there's hope. Oh, oh, wait, wait, there's an inkling of hope. This is what it says, Exodus chapter 9, 27 and 28. It says, the Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, this time I have sinned. You think? This time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. And we all like being told we're right. I, recently, some, a couple of my staff were around me. They're like, Joel, you were right. I was like, say it again. I was like, you know, you know Lion King, Mufasa? Mufasa. Ooh, say it again. You ever, you ever seen that? Like, when someone says, like, Joel, you were right. I'm like, ooh, say it again. Just, we like to know that we're right. Well, even now, Pharaoh is saying, listen, I have sinned. You were right, and guess what? He doesn't even say that God was right, that Moses was right. He says, I was wrong. Calls it out. This is what we see. Pharaoh is starting to recognize his sin. That's what you see at first take. Oh, great. Yes, Pharaoh's starting to recognize his sin. But this is what we're going to find out. He's actually unrepentant. I told you, glimmer of hope. Nope. Ah, oh, man. Because later on, verse 34, 35, look at 34, it says, When Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hell and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. Right? When things all of a sudden got better, he said, oh, things are better. I can now do what I want again. So he hardened his heart. Friends, I keep talking about it like this, is because there is a battle. And what we need to understand is that within that battle, we need to know the ramifications of sin. And sometimes all we're living is a life in which we're trying to do enough to not be in trouble. That's not what the life of a believer is, friends. We're we're trying, guys, it's only by faith that we can be saved. You can't earn salvation. Please say yes. We already know there's none good, no, not even one. It's the word of God. And so in understanding that, what we need to understand is we're not waiting for things to get better and then we can chase our own desires again. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Uh, Everything's dying and and hell's falling from the sky and thunder and fire and all this stuff. So I'm going to get my life straight. It's falling apart. I've lost everything. I've lost my marriage and I've lost my finances because of the decisions that I've made. And so all of a sudden what you want to do is you're like, okay, fine, I'm going to come before God. Everything's going to be good now. And then as soon as things start to be good again, just like the history for thousands of years, you start living for self again and it's that cycle that we see happening but we often don't understand that long after the sin has already been or long after the sin has already occurred the the repercussions of that stay 
You see, that's, that's our struggle is we don't want the consequence of the sin that we've had in our life. And so here, what we find in Exodus chapter 9, with this seventh plague, is all of a sudden Pharaoh starts to understand. And yet then his hard heart came back. It says he did not let the people of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. It's like, come on. I mean, yeah. Uh, one word that people have used to describe me, besides my wife, she says I'm ruggedly handsome. It's my prayer. I pray about that a lot. Um, as people have described me as um, short, if I live in Michigan, um, and they have, they, they have described me as being passionate. Um, I actually would not describe me as passionate. I would describe me as somebody who knows that I am broken. And I need salvation and repentance. I need to be redeemed. And I have been through the blood of Jesus Christ. And somebody who is in full acknowledgement of their brokenness cannot help but to spew it out of their mouth. Anybody who knows the greatness of our God, who has conquered every false God, who has redeemed us in order for us to be ruled, regardless of the persecution that may come, they know that it is nothing, it is nothing but an honor to say that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. But Pharaoh didn't get it. Because his heart was hard. Some of you may have hard hearts. Eighth plague, locusts. I'm going to show you another picture. The reason I want, I want to show you a picture that is important because this ties in with both the eighth and the ninth plague to me. What you see here, and these are some of the drawings there in Egypt, of course. These represent the sun that you have here at the top. And the reason I'm showing this to you is that the ninth plague is darkness. And you're going, why are you showing that with locusts? Because the locusts came in such a way, in such a manner, that everything got dark. The sun, God, was very real for them. And yet he, one of the most powerful, the most significant, right? If we have no light, we have nothing else at all. And so now the locusts are going to come in this eighth plague. And the locusts are going to come and cover the earth in such a manner, cover that area that would destroy the, the crops. I remember I lived in Louisville, Kentucky. They, they say like once every couple hundred years or something crazy like that, there's all these locusts that come to the area for some reason. And I happened to live there during that time period. It was crazy. And it was nothing compared to this. Like just the no continual noise for a few days of just that. And literally it was darker than normal, just the amount of locusts. It was insane. Well, take that and multiply it many, many times over. And that's what we have here. And the, 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 listen, all the plagues are an amazing, dramatic example of Yahweh's superiority. Of how superior Yahweh is to any false god. 
And it talks and lets us see his bond to Israel to keep his word and to protect. And here these locusts are coming. The Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh, I've hardened his heart. But I want to do this. I want to show him signs. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, thus says the Lord, the God of Hebrews, how long will you refuse? There's that word again. Everybody say refuse. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? How long will you refuse to humble yourself before the almighty God? He says, let my people what? That they may serve me. For if you refuse, there it is again, to let my people go. Behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country and they shall cover the face of the land so that no one can see the face of the land. They're going to eat everything that's left after the hell. They're going to, they're, they're going to eat every tree of yours that still grows in the field. They're going to fill your houses. Like, really fill my houses? Like my, I see one spider and my wife moves out. My like, honey, I'm taking care of it. You know they've got babies. That's an ugly spider. There ain't no way they got anybody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is what it's like to live with my wife. You're going to like, you and me. But <laughs> Your homes are all over the place. You pull up the bedspread and all over you. Like, they're everywhere. And then in verse 7 of chapter 10, even the servants of Pharaoh said something that's really significant. He says, how long shall this man be a snare to us? Guys, because of sin, even the servants of Pharaoh saw all that God could do and what he was doing through Moses. And it actually was, was, here's the problem. I think they just saw it as an annoyance in some ways. And some of you are annoyed by God. That's what sin is, right? Sin sometimes means you can be annoyed by God. This is how I want to live. And yet God is saying something different. But then when you have consequence of having to live the way you live, you get upset with God. Friends, grow up. Some of us are annoyed by God. But God's been very clear of the instruction that he has for his people. And we're the nation. We're the people who have chosen to step away from him. And then we're bothered by the consequence of the sin that we've had in our life. But let me tell you now. We need to humbly come before our Lord and our God and our Savior Jesus Christ. And we need to cry out for repentance. Sin is more than a whoopsie daisy. Everybody say sin is more than a whoopsie daisy. Nobody woke up this morning saying, that's what I'm going to say today. (laughs) So the locusts are everywhere. It tells us in the Hebrew text, literally it says, they covered the eye of the whole land so that the land was darkened. The eye of the land for the Egyptians was the sun. So I showed you that picture. And then we come to the ninth, the ninth plague. God bless you. We have the locusts, all that's happening. Verse 20 of chapter 10, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. He did not let the people of Israel go. 
And then the ninth plague, darkness hits. It says, the Lord said to Moses, will you try to follow along with me if you can. Exodus chapter 10, verse 21 and following. The Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So when it's that dark, right, you, you've done this before, like when it's like basement, inner room, turn out all the lights, close the doors, blankets everywhere, and like you can't see Jack. And you're just like, what? You feel, like when it's that dark, it's eerie. Like, there's no resemblance of like, is there a hand there? Like, there's no, there's just, it's, it's a darkness to be felt. Friends, that is what it is like without knowing the salvation and the, the love of Jesus. A darkness that was felt. And then he even says, so Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven. There was pitch darkness in all the land for three days. Everybody say three days. This matter, guys, do you not see what God has done over the course of thousands of years and even what Christ went through? I'm dumbfounded how people go, oh, it's New Testament, Old Testament. No, they work together. They fit together. It's powerful to recognize that over and over again, the theme, there was darkness for three days, but Jesus won. There is now life, and that darkness, what we recognize through Jesus is now, he is also, John 8, 12, he is the light of the world. And so we are able to celebrate, and we are able to move forward and walk through life in a new way. It tells us, after three days, it says, they did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from this place for three days, but all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Yeah, like, think about it if they had phone calls. Man, it's freaking, like, freaking out over here. It's so dark. And then you're just like, oh, it's good here. Because that should be the life of a believer, by the way. The world is crumbling. Anybody know that the world's dissension and like hatred is everywhere? Anybody figure that out yet? But if you have Jesus, you're like, hey, ha, I'm good. But it also stirs within you something that says, oh, my goodness, there's so much sin. You want to do something about it. So you want to tell them, everybody, what the actual remedy is. What's the remedy? One name. What is it? Jesus. It's like saying, hey, I'm just going to keep living in darkness. And people are going, I'm just going to keep doing this. No, thank you. No, thank you. I don't, want, I don't want to get healthy. There's a battle of darkness now. Here's the battle. But why? Because we already know we're in a war. This is verse 24. Now, this is something I want to make sure that is going to stand out to us. This is the Pharaoh called... Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, go serve the Lord. Oh, he's done this a few times by now. This, guys, I told you, battle, right? So just let me, I wanna, I'm going to start wrapping it up here. Don't worry, but you got to understand this. We're in a battle, yes or no? So if we're in a battle, this, this is what most of us have done. And I'm going to tell you why. Most of us, we're, we're in a battle. I'm not going to swing it around because it's not a very good sword. Um, blade, like, not good. It's on camera. Um, we're in a battle. But most of us who claim to know Jesus, and you're about to see it in the text. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, though. We've done this. 
Okay, are we in a battle? And we've set the sword down. Because you're still living for self. Well, this is what I want. God, if you could help me go to school here and have this job and make this money. And God, if you can just help my marriage. We don't want to actually change. Don't make me change and actually control my temper and actually surrender my attitude to you. Don't actually make me start speaking positive to my parents and actually living that life. God, I just want you to fix everything. We're, guys, we're fighting a battle, but yet we've set down the sword. Because this is what it tells us. Exodus chapter 10 the, then Pharaoh called Moses and said, go serve the Lord. It starts out pretty good. Woo! It says, go serve the Lord. Your little ones also may go with you. Let your flocks and your herds remain behind. This is what he does. Numerous times what we find is that, the, that Pharaoh starts compromising with Moses. This is, um, let this, so, like, please hear this, because this is a lot of us. We have compromised the word of God. And what we have said is, God has called me to this, but then there are parts that we start to compromise. I know God has called me to this, but I'm still going to live with whoever I want to live with. I know God has called me to this, but I'm still going to spend the money that I have in my life the way I want to spend the money. I know God has called me to this, but I'm still going to do business however I need to do business. I know God has called me to this, but, 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 but. And that's what we see over and over is that all of a sudden, Moses already said, he said, listen, we're going to have sacrifices and burnt offerings, but our livestock is going with us. We're going to take them with us to serve the Lord. The children are going, he said, in another portion. He says, the kids are going with us. Yes. Guess who else is going with us? The men and the women are going with us. The elderly are going with us. The livestock are going with us. All of it belongs to God. We're not going to compromise and give you a portion because we know that the gospel, there is no partial gospel. There's only a full gospel. And what we've done, here's Pharaoh. This is how Satan works. It's part of the battle plan. He's just wanting you to compromise Hey, I'll give, you the, I'll give you the little people, right? I'll give you the, the little children. Just compromise. That's what we're doing with God. I, I, I'll give you every other Sunday to come worship and learn more about you so that you can transform my life, but don't be asking for the other ones. You know, I prayed before a meal. Don't be asking for me to wake up every day and actually repent of my sin. That means, you want to know why people struggle with repenting of sin? You want to really, even a bigger reason? is because that means you have to acknowledge it. And so we start to compromise. So Moses hears from Pharaoh and he's trying to get him to compromise a tactic of Satan friends the, the Lord is going to harden hearts in terms of recognize that means heavy heart he, he's going to recognize the heavy hearts Pharaoh had a heavy heavy heart we already understand this and we also already know without a doubt there's going to be other plagues to come because plagues, part of plagues, uh, sin is a plague. It tells us in the book of Revelation that other plagues are coming with hell, with frogs, with all, darkness, all kinds of things. That's coming because this world is broken. But we know in the end, Jesus Christ returns and he wins. 
See, that's what God has done. God has demonstrated his power. That's what he did with the plagues. That's what he's doing today. God has demonstrated his power to free us from the plague of sin through the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. And that's what we get to live in. Knowing his greatness and giving all glory and all purpose to him. Will you stop compromising and fully submit? God, I come before you. I thank you for these friends. I ask that you allow them to know the fullness of your word, that you don't want them to compromise and and surrender part of their life. You want them to give all of their life. God, may we be more reflective of your son, Jesus, not of Pharaoh. Because we don't want to have a hardened heart. We don't want to have a compromised spirit. We want to have a heart and a spirit that is fully relying upon you to work within us, to to grow us, to transform us. We're transformed followers of Jesus, God. And we thank you for that victory. We thank you for what that means in our life. In Christ's name, amen.